0: Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast, a podcast for diehard Bengals fans. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, say what's up?
1: What's up? Hello, world.
0: And today we have an extremely special guest on. Zim, do you want to go ahead and introduce our special guest that you have gathered for us today?
1: Yes. I want to introduce you guys back from the dark side. The man, the myth,
2: Juice Rapine. <laughs> you, might,
1: you might know him as James, but then he converted his name over to Juice Rapine. How you doing tonight, James? What's up, fellas? I'm good. How are you? If you guys don't remember, I'm doing very fine. I'm doing very fine. Doing if you guys don't remember, James was like pretty much the mascot. He was an icon in Cincinnati. He went on to do bigger, bigger, better things and I'm really, really proud of him and I love him to death. James will probably tell you about the times when I used to call in on the show when he was in Cincy. I would wait an hour just for him to come back and tell me, "Hey, Moe's not going to take your call today." But you know inside my head, I used to be sitting there thinking, "Okay, well, that's awesome. I'm just going to call back the next day and the next day after that. And James understood that, and that's why I love him to this day.
2: Yeah, and we talked plenty. I mean, we talked, and, and I, I remember even when I hosted, I had you on today, but we talked about the Bengals, John Ross at the time, and quarterbacks, and how Andy Dalton was really Blandy Dalton. So, yeah, we've, uh, we go back. <laughs>
1: Blandy Dalton.
0: So the That ju- was the best ju- name that I've ever heard for Andy Dalton, by the way, James. That was an amazing nickname.
2: Yeah, it's true. He's bland. That doesn't mean he wasn't a, a decent quarterback, but Blandy Dalton. Yeah, that's one of my my better pieces of work. I think is during uh, my time in Cincinnati is giving fourteen the proper nickname.
1: You should have made shirts for that.
2: I should looking back. I should have heck. I should have got the uh, the trademark and really started. Rolling. Cause it's it it's not too interview. late. Yeah,
1: you know these young kids, they like to troll stuff like that. Just because Andy is projected not to be on the Cincinnati Bengals roster next year doesn't mean that he's not going to be like a throwback type icon that we control for the rest of our lives. Either think about yeah.
2: that. Yeah, I I'll tell you what. If he somehow ends up on the roster for
1: 2020, don't do that. Don't do
2: if, that. If he somehow, does, <laughs> I don't I don't need to have <laughs> on the roster, and it, that is. I don't think that'll happen, but you never know with the Bengals. Then I'll do the blame de I and we'll get some shirts made, and then uh, okay. we'll roll with it.
1: Speaking of shirts, um, do you still <laughs> have your Odd Tate shirt that I gave you, James?
2: I do. I do, absolutely. Okay. Man.
1: Okay, so if you guys don't know, I sent James a picture one time. This is an iconic photo on Jim underscore who on Instagram page. If you check that out. Uh, James is on there. I posted him too. He's got a shirt on that says "It's an Auden Tate thing you wouldn't understand." And James wore it proudly, and I'm pretty sure he caught some flack for it. Now, what are the people saying now with the year that Auden Tate just had, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be nice to watch him hopefully catch accurate passes next year and not have to extend <laughs> and, and jump and dive and dip and dodge, uh to, to catch the ball. So, yeah, I I, I will say this. If Auden Tate doesn't catch another pass in the Bengals' uniform, he's already exceeded expectations. Because I don't think many people thought he was going to be the stud that he was, even in training camp as a rookie. And he certainly developed into a a piece that uh, the Bengals can certainly use moving forward.
1: Absolutely. Speaking of moving forward, you briefly mentioned Joe Burrow. I had a uh, <laughs> I had a podcast uh with Ace here on Orange is the New Black podcast where we went in on Joe Burrow a little bit. It was mainly myself. I wasn't really happy with some of the stuff that Joe Burrow was doing in a drunk interview. Do you, how, what is your overall feel on Joe Burrow? I know you talked about the accuracy just now. I think you you're, you're pretty up on him, but give me what do you think? Like what is his projection in your mind?
2: Yeah, I think Joe Burrow has an extremely high floor. Like a lot of people, when you're especially when you're drafting first overall, what you don't want is a bust. You don't want him to flop. And I think you're talking about a, a mature guy, a guy at Ohio State who had to deal with injury, deal with being the second string guy. And then when he thought he was going to have a shot, he, he had that injury that set him back. And Haskins won the job. There's no doubt in my mind, Joe Burrow is more talented than Dwayne Haskins. Uh, so he's dealt with that adversity. So I, I like that about him. I know some. Uh, mentioned transferring and how that's a downside, uh, of it. But when you, you look back and, 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 really get the details on why Burrow transferred, I think it's actually a positive. Um, and assuming he goes first overall, by the way, the past three first overall picks had all, and will have all transferred, uh, from their first college in Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and, uh, also Joe Burrow. So I like that part about him. I love the fact that he is willing to just thread the needle into tight windows. And part of that has to do with his accuracy. But this dude isn't worried about throwing guys open. And when I look at this roster, and I assume A.J. Green's going to be back in Cincinnati in 2020. A.J. Green, we talked about Auden Tate. Um, obviously, John Ross is in that mix. Tyler Boyd, those guys, are, they're weapons. They're real, all of them. And I know some people can go back and forth on Ross or Tate or whatever. But a one through four at wide receiver, if you're talking about those four guys, it's one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. Yeah, Joe Mixon in that, obviously Giovanni Bernard. And suddenly Joe Burrow's got a lot of weapons to use, uh, a lot of weapons to rely on. And, and much like at LSU, he'll have uh, a plethora of different ways to get them the ball. And he won't be afraid to to thread the needle. He, it'll result in some interceptions at times in the NFL. Uh, but I would rather have that than Mr. Safe and a guy that's going to throw it away. Uh, so I'm, I'm all in on Burrow there. Um, I love his athleticism. He can run. He's big. He's three. Mm-hmm. he can run, he's not afraid to do that, he, he can slide. I, I love all of it. I mean, his pocket awareness, the, the way he's been able to spin out of sacks, that would easily be a sack if Andy Dalton, for example, or a replacement-level quarterback in the NFL were getting, you know, were, were under that pressure. They would throw it away, and they would live to fight another down. Burrow can make a play off script. And I think that's the biggest difference uh, when you're talking about Burrow to what we've seen since 2011 is he can do those things outside the pocket and off script. Does he have the strongest arm in the world? No. Does he need the strongest arm to be successful in the NFL? Also, no. I think he's extremely accurate, and I think he's exactly. I don't know if he's the savior because it, it takes a lot to overcome uh, the dysfunction that the Bengals have had, uh, but, but I, yes, I certainly sir. think he can be a huge part of it.
1: Absolutely. So I guess – in the I guess in the one show. So if you guys don't know, James has his trademark where at least he gives me the trademark at least once a week. He does this thing where he's like, "Stop it, stop it." If you if you've ever heard him talk, <laughs> that's like his trademark. I don't know. You talked about trademark earlier, so he
2: does well, that to me. Well, you should listen. I, stop it. I mean, you got to stop it, Jim. Like, some of the stuff you put on Instagram, you just got to stop sometimes.
1: James is away. so mad. He get, Like, I want to tell you guys, if y'all ever, if y'all, I would never show this, but he gets so angry because every once in a while, I'll have a hot take James moment, and I'll just wake up and I'll feel a certain type of way, and you go with your emotion. You know what I'm saying, Ace? Like, you just kind of post something that you're like, okay, like, this is something that somebody isn't saying. And when you say it, James is like always oh, like, oh, stop it! Like you know, like I'm like, come on! Like I, 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 it's just a little energy that I'm like putting in a new direction that particular day, and he's like ready to kill me for it, like every single day. But I'll go through like a hundred posts where I think he's probably like, okay, like that makes sense, Zim. Okay, but then as soon as I slip up, he's all over my ass. I'll crush you. Yeah,
2: I'm, yeah, that's cool. Right. <laughs> I got to keep you in line, man. I don't care where I'm living. I'm gonna make sure the Zim Who Day page on Instagram is in line uh because otherwise you know it's uh it, it becomes too hectic plus if anyone's dropping a hot take it's me all right so i got i got to keep it in game <laughs> can, can, can
1: you can you drop him from cleveland is the question so oh, I mean,
2: so sure. Sure. speaking
1: no, not... <laughs> go ahead speak <laughs> Speaking of Cleveland, listen, now now that I got you on a hot take thing, the reason why you were telling me to stop it, maybe Ace, like I said, Ace was not on the Kill Burrow train that day. It's just I have high expectations for Joe Burrow. I want everybody to love him. When Mm -hmm. I think about the path of Baker Mayfield, I was on the Baker Mayfield train. As Mm -hmm. I'm watching it, I still believe in Baker Mayfield. I think the average uh, fan or fan that didn't catch a lot of Cleveland games when they start to see them start to decline, kind of fell off the Baker Mayfield um train. And for me, it's more of a long-term thing. Some of the similarities and the arrogance that I saw in that Joe Burrow interview and some of the things that I've seen Joe Burrow do, do you think that is like Baker Mayfield type territory or what's your take on the whole Baker Mayfield thing or the way he gets killed pretty much
2: now? Oh, well, let's start with Baker Mayfield. Does he have his flaws? Yeah, he's six foot. He's not extremely athletic. I don't think he worked as hard as he showed up last offseason because he thought it was going to be pretty easy. Um, but in, in reality, those things I think he can fix right now. He can choose to work harder. He can choose to be just a little bit more humble, even though he's extremely talented. And, and the, the reality that people don't want to admit, and a lot of Bengals fans don't want to admit, that if Crush Baker on my timeline and if Crush Baker just in general – He's trying to overcome – we talk about Burrow and, and the Bengals dysfunction. Baker Mayfield is on his fourth head coach, all right? He had Hugh Jackson, then he had Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, and now he's got Kevin Stefansky. He's had multiple different offensive coordinators in two years, all right? And the, the power struggle between Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson when he was a rookie was extremely real, so he had to deal with that aspect of it where they started Tyrod Taylor and had no business starting Tyrod Taylor because he's not as good as Baker Mayfield, even from the jump. And then he he made it through that and had a promising end to his rookie year. And then guess what he he got handed the worst coach I've ever seen. Freddie Kitchens was the worst coach. I can't believe he flopped Whoa. as bad as he did. I mean he's the awful. I mean Zim, you can But be where a did coach.
1: where but where did it where did it go so wrong though? Because when he when they were on their hot streak last year, Freddie Kitchens seemed like he had it going.
2: Guess guess whose playbook that was?
1: Who Hugh, 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 Hugh Jackson. Hugh,
2: Hugh Jackson and Todd. Haley. So, Freddie okay. Kitchens, who had been a running backs coach for the majority of his career in Arizona and then shortly with, uh, for just a little bit with Cleveland, had suddenly become the offensive coordinator. He has a good two months, and suddenly he's the head coach. It, it, it was rushed. It was too soon. I get it. He had a good rapport with Baker Mayfield. I get it. Baker endorsed it. Well, Baker's a, a 23-year-old kid who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, and, you know? And and that was John yeah. Dorsey. That's why John Dorsey isn't here anymore. because they just got it wrong. Freddie Kitchens was not ready. In um, any competent coach, not great coach, any competent coach would have won 10 games with this team last year. Marvin Lewis would have done that. I think Zach Taylor certainly would have won more than six games. I mean, we could go on and on and on about different coaches. Jim Caldwell would have won 10 games. Any coach you want to name that I think is competent, I would have thought would still be here. Freddie Kitchens was that bad. And he was the one calling plays. And the more and more I hear about his week-to-week and week, uh, in, in what he did game plan-wise and then completely changed it and went away from it on Sundays, and I'm talking about Freddie Kitchens, I think Baker Mayfield was set up to fail. Doesn't mean he doesn't have his flaws. I've been critical of Baker Mayfield. I think he needs to be uh, in much better shape next year. I think he still has that talent, though, and he needs to have a better attitude and stop reading his press clippings. Um, If he can do those things, I think he can be the guy that we thought he was when he went first overall, Zim, because you were on the train, I was on the train. Yeah. You know, he's got that accuracy, he's got that playmaking ability. He he does, he brings those traits uh, that that are elite. and, And I think it translates to the NFL, and we saw a flash of that. Now they need to make sure, and I actually like Kevin Stefanski. I don't know about the overall... Okay, that,
1: that was my next question. I was going to yeah, ask yeah. you, how do you feel about that? Because that, that wasn't the splash pick in coming off the Vikings' loss in the playoffs. it just... I don't know.
2: Yeah, here's what I'll say. I think short-term, it's good. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to be no-nonsense and put the the weapons and the talent in place here in <laughs> Cleveland that they already have. Here's the problem with that. The Browns have been awful for 20 years, and the one guy who wanted to come here and change everything and put in a winning culture and put in winning people was Josh McDaniels. And and Mm -hmm. basically what I was told is he told the Haslam's, the Browns' ownership, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to bring in my own GM. I want to bring in my own people. This is how we're going to do it if you hire me, and we're going to get this right not only for 2020 but for the next decade. And they were like, no, we're already close. We don't need to make all these adjustments. We don't need to change this, 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 and this. And and I've said this on, on air. I've said on the fan, you cannot expect me to buy that because this ownership group since twenty twelve has been awful. You know, I mean they the Haslam's bought the Browns in twenty twelve and I believe they're on their sixth bed coach. I might be off on that. It might be eight. Like, you know, it's been that many. Um, so I, I think that this the idea of trusting them long-term, I can't buy into. And Kevin Stefanski, it really has nothing to do with him. It has to do with just the long-term outlook of this organization. Uh, but but as far as Stefanski himself in 2020, I think he could – hell, he got a lot out of Kirk Cousins. So I think he could do a lot yeah. with, with what the Browns have here in 2020. I just don't know if it's sustainable long-term. And that's why I would have went the McDaniels route. I would have went the Mike McCarthy route. Uh, I would have went one of those other routes. And, and instead – they uh, they went with a first-year head coach who, who's only called. He's only been an offensive coordinator for 19 games. So Stefanski wow. be, be learning on the fly a bit for sure.
1: I kept on telling people, like, yeah, they need to build Parcells the situation. Now, if that came in the form of Josh McDaniels, so be it. But that, that seemed like the perfect formula. Wasn't it me uh, last week, Ace, where I was saying that Stefanski was like a brownsy move? like, like, yeah,
0: it, yeah. I,
1: it, I, do you I, have any thoughts I, on Stefanski? Like, do you, I, I mean, I feel like it's good for us. Cause I, I, I would have been terrified of Josh McDaniels, you know, <laughs> in the division. I,
0: yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you guys were talking about, uh, either Josh McDaniels or uh, possibly Mike McCarthy, because I think that the issue is that, with all those personalities in the Browns locker room, like the Odell Beckham juniors, the Jarvis Landry, you have to have a head coach that they're going to respect. And I thought that that was the major flaw uh, with the hire from last year is that you're bringing in a guy that doesn't have, you know, much pool in the league. And I think that they're kind of making the same mistake by, by grabbing this defensive guy. Now he might be a better offensive coordinator, but it's still going to be that issue of is o- Odell Beckham going to respect him as a coach? Is he going to be able to lay down the law? We saw that. Uh, When he was with the Giants, that was kind of the situation there. As soon as they kind of moved on from their head coach uh, that ended up going to Jacksonville and and things of that nature. But I think that that's possibly the issue. The other thing was I was kind of shocked by the GM move because I actually liked the GM that you guys Mm -hmm. had there. And I think that it's it's pretty interesting because this was – you know, the first time in a while that we've been excited to see what the Browns could do, right? Like, I was terrified of the Browns. When that Odell Beckham Jr. trade happened in the offseason, and uh, before that, when you guys drafted Baker Mayfield, I remember texting my group chat, and I was just like, it's over for us. The Browns finally have their quarterback, and after that, they Mm -hmm. would go out and get OBJ, and I'm just like, goodness. Like, So to me, that was very shocking, especially being that you know he kind of got done wrong with the Chiefs after Pat after drafting Pat Mahomes and look at where the Chiefs have gone and then you know he kind of gets done that way with the Browns. There must be some kind of personality issue with him and ownership or something because that just was kind of kind of head scratching to me. Uh, what do you think of the new GM that just came in to replace them? Well,
2: well, they haven't. And that and that's the crazy part. I mean, it's we're recording this on the twenty third. At night, they, they don't, don't have to be They don't have to yeah. so, <laughs> Crazy. It, wow. And, and I'm with you. John Dorothy was established. He was respected in, around the league. And he brought in talent and had people excited about Browns football for the first time in two decades. They moved on from him. And what I thought they moved on from him was to put themselves in position to land a big fish like Josh McDaniels, right, to, to put themselves in position not only to get the, the coach they want, but to give the coach the structure he wants. And right. instead, w- w- when he pitched that to them, they weren't receptive to it. So who knows? I-, I think the favorite right now, as as we're talking, is George Payton. They're trying to get him, and he, he works in the Vikings organization, works with Kevin Stefanski,
0: and maybe that okay. does
2: work out. Uh, he's well-respected. He's the assistant GM right now in Minnesota, has been for over a decade. So he's well-respected across the league. The problem is, I just, I don't like when successful people are like, hey, let's fix this. I want to be here. I mean, Joshua Daniels wanted to co- come back to Cleveland. He went to John Carroll. He's he, uh, from Northeast Ohio. wanted to come to Cleveland. I mean, this is the guy that didn't interview wow. with the Bengals last year. He didn't even here. interview with us. Right. Yeah. It, but he wanted to, to be in Cleveland, and they were like, okay, we want you, but under these circumstances. And, Which is crazy. And, and, and yeah, and so. I've been critical of it. I, I know a lot of Browns fans are in on Kevin Stefanski, and I think from the discipline factor, everything I hear, he shouldn't have a problem with that. So I think it will be an instant upgrade from a guy like Freddie Kitchens in that department, play-calling-wise as well, if he doesn't hire an offensive coordinator that calls the plays. I think those are upgrades. But when you look at the organization long-term, not just for 2020, because, I mean, we we saw it with the, the Bengals. You can have a playoff here, here, or there. You know, the Lions have had a couple of playoff years in the past decade. That doesn't mean they're a well-run mm-hmm. team. I just – I don't see right. the Browns, the way their structure is, the organizational structure, I don't see that working long-term, really regardless of who the coach is. It, 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 it's not like they've got it wrong every time at head coach. They haven't. It, it's the fact that they've had bad structure, ownership's pulled the plug too soon, et cetera. And, and so I I, I lean towards Kevin Stefanski maybe having a successful 2020 uh, but as time goes on, it's,
1: it's going to be drive, a tough. I it's going to bad. be a tough division for him. I, I just think the timing of it. I I, I, don't, I don't know. That, that's something that will cross. I, I think bad. My theory is this: bad organizations or organizations that seem to not be as active suddenly change when you get a franchise changing quarterback. But then hand in hand with it, it has to be an immediate winning. And I just don't see in our division. It's just it's it's a it's a timing thing with this Joe Burrow thing probably popping off for us and meeting I just I don't know. Like I don't think that they can win that soon with this guy. And I do I did have I have heard about like the rave reviews about he's a no nonsense type of guy, but overall is that gonna yeah, like you're saying, I'm I'm pretty much echoing everything you're saying. Overall is that gonna change the culture. Um, yeah, I, because I, I, the one thing I wanted Joe Burrow to do is be able to walk in a room I want Joe Burrow – this is why I don't want Joe Burrow to go off on a Baker Mayfield path where he's being or being categorized as arrogant is because I need him to be the face of the franchise. I need him to have 24-hour professionalism because when it's time to win and walk into Mike Brown's office, I now need Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn and everybody to feel stupid if he says, I need a free agent, I need this guy, I need this guy, I need this guy. Because imagine, I always tell Ace this, imagine Aaron Rodgers walking into a room today and saying, I need this, I need that, or I'm bailing. Everybody would look at the Green Bay Packers like they're the the most stupidest people that you've ever seen in the entire world because they would say, how would you let Aaron Rodgers go? I need Joe Burrow to build his resume up so good that he he starts demanding stuff. And that's the only way I could see Cincinnati culturally changing because they'll never be in a situation where they'll let Josh McDaniels ever come in and change around all this thing like zach taylor he, although he's he's pretty firm I, like since you've been away like you could probably watch some of these zach taylor things he's a little bit more forward he gives you a little bit more detail but at the end of the day it's still not his call and i need a quarterback pretty much to to set the tone and do all that and i think what's happening with baker Milf- baker mayfield is that even if he started winning I just don't think people would take him seriously if he started demanding stuff or whatever. They would start looking at it like arrogance and then he's crying too much. But opposed to Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees walking into that office or coming out in a press conference and saying it, like, hey, we want to win. I need this guy to win. Like, it's different. People are like, yeah, give him resources.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I'm with you. Here's what I'll say, and I'm going to get to Joe Burrow for most of this. But one quick note on Baker. What happened with him? is the Browns got their first taste of success in two decades, and they crowned that man. And the organization (laughs) crowned him, and people in that building crowned him, and and they kind of gave him what he wanted before he had earned it. Baker Mayfield was okay as a rookie. It was a really good rookie season, but he was okay when you talk about NFL quarterbacks. Not rookies, NFL quarterbacks. Exciting. You like the potential. He was in the rookie of the year race. He wasn't a top-five NFL quarterback. You know, he still had a lot to prove by NFL standards and they prematurely crowned him, and I think that that's that's where part of that cockiness comes from. That's where the press clippings come from, where the lack of uh, hard work, or at least the questions about his work ethic come from just this past year, because that wasn't a thing before. You know, It's only 2019 where we question that. So now when we look at Joe Burrow, and I hear you're being critical of him, Joe Burrow did something that Baker Mayfield wishes he could have done, which is won a national championship. Joe Burrow did something that uh, any of these quarterbacks wish that, that they could have done, which is put LSU on its back. This is a, a defensive school that wasn't known for having stud quarterbacks. I mean, Zach Mettenberger, even Jamarcus Russell was a, a one-hit type of – it just happened to work out. Like, Joe Burrows had a, a huge uh, – had a huge jump from the, his, his first year at LSU to this year and had a season for the ages. So do I care if he goes on bar and has an interview where he's had a few a few beers, I don't care, man. I don't care if he's smoking a cigar. I don't matter. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, during this whole run, there was no police video like Baker Mayfield where he was running away when he wasn't even in trouble, by the way. Baker wasn't in trouble there. It was just a bad look, he ran away for no reason. He never should have ran away. Um, th- there was no smart aleck comments. There was no grabbing of the junk against Kansas on the sideline. None of that. It, it, Joe Burrow's been a professional. and And when you win, and if he brings a Super Bowl to Cincinnati, I hope they uh, go to OCR and, and then the banks, and then they go to Vegas and party for a week. You know, I don't care. You could celebrate because you, you deserve it. So 14-0, Heisman Trophy, uh, having a couple of days to yourself to party, I, I'm fine with it. Now, I, now if it was a, a weekly thing or a biweekly thing, completely different. You know, if there was a, a string of him being a, a smart aleck and things like that, uh, being snobby with the media, arrogant with the media, that's one thing. Burrow hasn't been any of that, you know, he, none of it. So I, I, I buy in. Even even think about it like this. Even at Ohio State when he didn't get the job and he found out he was going to have a transfer and all of that, you don't hear any, any smart-elect comments to the media or tweets. That was Tate Martell who did that, Ohio State, and he transferred to uh, Miami. So to me, Burrow's exactly what you want and can be that culture setter. And he has the physical gifts that Baker has plus more. He's a better athlete. He's more accurate. He's taller. So in a lot of ways, Burrow's a much better prospect than Baker was from a physical traits standpoint. I give Baker the edge arm-wise. But, but overall, I, I think Burrow's uh the track record isn't as long as it was for Mayfield, but he, he's a better prospect overall.
1: Okay. Bengals on the clock. Joe Burrow goes number one. After that, Ace, James, I want to ask you – Who will you guys target? What is it going to take for the Bengals to get over this hump, get out of this thing where everybody's looking at us like we're trash? So, well, I said us. I meant me and Ace because, of course, we're not talking about you, James. (laughs) 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 But but I'm saying uh, Bengals on the clock. What is is your plan if the Bengals want to win right away?
2: Oh, I'm – you ready? I got you. I'm. Unless a, a Ace. You, you know we talk?
1: we know we do this every year. We can. You know, like we we're we're famous for going like, hey, look, first round linebacker. Like you remember, I put together a plan for your locked mm-hmm. on Bengals. That yep. was one of my first articles I ever wrote for you. But I want yep. to know like, what are you addressing in free agency? What are you looking at draft wise? And Ace, I want to ask you the same thing too. Yeah, the first yeah, thing
2: no I would problem. do. It, the first thing I would do um, is I would try to go get a proven offensive lineman. You know whether it's Costanzo, um from Indianapolis, he could be available. Uh, I believe Bulaga, uh, who's had mm-hmm. some injury issues, but he could be available from Green Bay. I, I don't have the list of, of free agent offensive linemen in front of me. But go get one experienced guy, one guy that's going to. You talk about setting a tone. You go find your Andrew Whitworth, and that doesn't mean bring Andrew Whitworth back because if I'm him, I'm either keep staying in L.A. or retiring. Why would you come back to Cincinnati? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, the weather's great in no LA. Never rains, mm-hmm. so uh, I—that's th- what I would do. Is I would go get a, a spend some money there, and to do that, okay. what do you have to do? Reallocate the funds, Dre. Okay. See you, bud. I. I, I whoa,
1: whoa! Day. Dre's got to go. You no restructure.
2: No, we're we're done. Dre's gone.
1: He's he's eleven point two. He's an eight point five cap hit. Just to get for you guys listening, eight point five cap hit. Are yep. Are
2: you sure about that? Because I think a lot of it is. If they, I, I think they can get get out of that deal. I'm, That's currently I, right
1: now. I no, think I think, this, I think on this on this final it. year. I think it's like two. He's they still gotta eat two, two point something. I, I got it written down in my notebook, which I don't have right now. So don't so don't quote me on that. I'm sorry, people, yeah. but that was his, I'm, I'm that was his salary sure his prior out. to this. I'm okay. pretty sure
2: they can get out. I might be wrong. Well, I he he he's, he's
1: wearing Bengals apparel every day, so he That's seems to think he, different. I mean,
2: he can wear Bengals apparel at home until he signs with the new team. <laughs> so, it's it's <laughs> nothing. Dre, he's overpaid. All right, and, and he's dealt with. Did
1: you ever interview team. Dre?
2: Yeah, <clears throat> I did. You like him? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I do. It, it, it's not personal, I'm just it's, it's, no. Yeah, it's not I'm just personal. We it. we got to reallocate these funds. By the way, Bobby Hart, you're gone too. All right. Oh, but hold on, hold on, hold on, Ace. That
1: you. This is one thing you don't know, James. Ace says that Bobby Hart is my boy because I started pulling up PFF numbers and he, he and he graded out above average. And I said, Hey, I wait care. a minute, guys. I think you guys are killing Bobby Hart. So now you want to cut Bobby Hart? Okay.
2: Seven million. Uh, yeah, I want to cut Bobby Hart. I think that's seven <laughs> million. And we're going to use that elsewhere. That's the thing. Okay. Everyone talks about the Bengals don't spend. They spend just spend in, in stupid ways sometimes, right? Like I told him.
1: Hold well, on, hold on. Well,
2: speaking of stupid money, I killed James
1: in the offseason. I said Preston Brown was the worst signing, and James said, stop it! Give me the stop it on that one. Now, how do you feel, Jamesy?
2: Would I have signed him for that? No, but someone had to play linebacker. That was I mean, the they, worst deal. They, they don't like drafting linebackers, and, and hell, they're <sighs> not really in position to draft one. See, this is the other thing I would do. I would go get a proven linebacker in free agency, someone who okay. can run yes, a sir. little bit, you know? And, okay. uh, and I think they'll be in position to do... That's the thing. Reallocate those funds. How much did I just cut? Nine nine to ten million with Dre. Seven yeah. with Bobby Hart. Okay? Yeah. If, if You're going to lose
1: uh, how many How many with Dalton? You're going to lose Dalton, yeah. right? You're dropping I would, that I would, all. 17
2: million. I, I would trade that. 17 the there's million. no way I'm cutting that. So yeah, there, there's Dalton. And then okay. uh, the other one, if if Cordy Glenn is going to be a distraction, and I don't know that he's going to be, but if he is, he's not worth being a distraction. You can get it too, Cordy. So uh, we can free up. Oh no, he's
1: he's he's gone. He's gone.
2: And that's let me I'm tell
1: thinking. you, if you if you were in the locker room, the people that I know in the locker room currently right now, nobody talks to him. They feel like he gave up on the team. I don't know if you were watching that weekly. Like they absolutely there's he doesn't have one friend in there.
2: Well, that's what that's what I heard is it was is a very phantom thing. Players started questioning it. And, and and it got worse and worse and worse as the year went on.
1: There there is so, a live one there where I was talking with the player that I'm not going to name because I I didn't do I didn't ask for his permission. But there was a live where it, the player I was saying was absolute like fuck. Cordy Glenn, hope he never comes back. Eat shit. <laughs>
2: it, it, and so you could get something for him though. I would have traded yeah, him. the, the way
1: level. he played the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you yep. saw that. The way he graded week 16, week uh, week 16 played pretty above average stuff. I think somebody takes a flyer on him, probably gives mm-hmm. up a third, maybe a second, if you get really, really lucky and desperate, I guess.
2: But even if you get a four, I don't care. Just get that money off the books. Because now right. we're talking about paying AJ, because I would, I and Jim, I've made that clear. I would keep AJ around for Joe Burrow. It doesn't three mean years paying ago. $60 million over three years. But I think he would take, guaranteed-wise, low-guaranteed low guaranteed money, as long as that number is relatively high. You know, if you give him three years, $55 million, and there's some escalators in there and the guaranteed money's low, he'd probably feel good about it. So, yeah, I'm with you. Three year deal there. So, you have money for green. You have money to add a proven offensive lineman. And you can also mm-hmm. add whether you want to add a, a corner to replace Dre at a lower number, whether you want to go out and um, go with a, two linebackers, maybe. You know, I, I really mm-hmm. like Jonah Williams.
1: Well, you're getting but, crazy now, James. You're getting crazy I, now. Hold I think, on.
2: Well, I think you're good. To, but that's what you have to do. <laughs> <In> the, the, <laughs> they got the money, though. Uh, Duke Tobin's
1: at the senior bowl, and he says he understands all of these things that you're saying right now. So
2: I, I'll well, let you finish. Uh, yeah, uh, in the beauty of this, and this is what the Bengals need to realize right now, if you draft a quarterback first overall, and we're going to assume it's Joe Burrow, but it doesn't matter who it is. It could be uh, any of these guys. If you draft him first overall, you think he's the guy to lead your franchise to the playoffs and beyond. But what have we seen in the NFL over the first uh, over the past six, seven years? Russell Wilson, what did the Seattle do? They surrounded him when he was cheap with all these weapons. They got aggressive. Heck, the Browns, what did they do on a rookie deal? They surrounded Baker Mayfield with weapons. That's what you have to do. That's what the Rams did. I could go on and on and on with all these teams, even the Eagles. They got really aggressive with Carson Wentz. He goes down, and they're fine because they have Nick Foles surrounded by a bunch of weapons, and they go on to win the Super Bowl. So you have to be aggressive now. The blueprint is there. Be aggressive. Surround your quarterback, your young quarterback on a rookie deal with weapons, give them a good defense. The beauty of the Bengals is is they aren't a two win team from a talent standpoint. So even yep. if you trim the fat, like I just talked about, you're talking about a core that's extremely talented. It just it is, and people don't think that, and the national pundits don't know it, but it is. Yeah. And, and, and that's why during the season when people are like, oh, this is going to be a three year rebuild, trade AJ, trade this, trade that, like you guys are out of your damn mind. Like all these. You sound like wanna... you
1: sound like Ace. You sound like eight telling me about the talent. And look, I killed Thank them all you, year. Man. All Thank look, all, so year, much, all year, all year, I killed them. I said, if they're so talented, why have they? won the game. We were like zero oh, and nine, zero oh, and ten. I'm like, if they're so talented, are they not as talented as we think, though? So? I mean, are they? Are they not talented? And we're and we're just over, you know, like overcompensating for what we think that they really are. Maybe they aren't as great as we think they are. Some of these guys, maybe, maybe you know, I don't know.
2: Well, but, yeah, Ace. Par- partially, oh. I mean, Jonah, Jonah and I, I'll let Ace talk, sorry. If Jonah Williams comes back, that helps solve part of the line problem right Absolutely. Today.
1: Jonah he's Williams to
2: kill. Uh, in one note, did you guys watch that um, Bill Belichick and uh, Nick Saban documentary on HBO by chance?
1: No, I just saw them t- together hanging matter? out recently today. <laughs> I don't
2: know what so, that was about. So to. they talked at Alabama's Pro Day during this mm-hmm. documentary, and they show part of it. And, and Bill turns to Nick, and he's like, hey, what – what players here are worth draft? Like what? Play, what are the best players? And he was like, "Oh, Jonah Williams, in the defensive lineman." And he's like, "Oh, can Jonah just play tackle, or can he play everywhere at, at, in the NFL?" And Nick was like, "Everywhere." So Nick, Nick bought in. You know, Nick believes mm-hmm. Jonah. He's telling his best friend that. So I buy into Jonah as well. Go ahead. Sorry. Ace, tell
1: uh, me how, been, would you, been, how would you how would you get this team going?
0: James, James, and me definitely see this. Uh, uh, a similar way to rebuild the Bengals. Um, you definitely have to start in those trenches on the offensive line. Um, Jack Conklin, if you can afford him, uh, which the oh, yeah. Bengals have plenty of money, uh, go ahead and try to get him in here. Uh, go out and try to get you a Corey Littleton that's playing with the Rams, somebody that's actually a name, and it doesn't have to be anybody that's just a superstar, but Corey Littleton, Darren Lee, one of those guys, spend some money and bring him in there. Um, mm-hmm. As he said, I definitely trade Drake or Patrick, no hard feelings. He's a great guy, has a great attitude. But for that dollar amount and for what we need to do with this team, uh, he can he can chuck the deuces. Um, I'm also with him on the Bobby Hart thing. If we are able to sign a Jack Conklin, it doesn't make sense to keep Bobby Hart there. Go ahead and save that money. Um, trade Andy Dalton, get that $17 million off of the books. Uh, extend Joe Mixon, extend A.J. Green. Um, extend William Jackson the third because those are going to be some core guys that you need to keep around um, Joe Burrow and then go the draft yeah, and try to get some more interior linemen and try to also get um, some some more bodies on that defense to help and I think if you do that like I said I think this team could, could potentially compete next year I, I don't think that this is a roster that has Huge holes, but they do have holes, and they are somewhat glaring. But if you fix those pieces through free agency in the draft, I think that you can compete next year. Mm
1: -hmm. Can I give you guys another linebacker? Ooh, go
2: ahead. Maybe you you come up to Cleveland and go get Joe Schobert.
1: Yeah, that's what everybody's been saying. That's what everybody's been saying. You pair him up with Jermaine Pratt, that's amazing. I'm going to give you a guy. I want HaHa Clinton Dix. I like his aggressiveness. Huh? I I'm a, I'm gonna give you another one. I want To it or Hargrave. One of those two are gonna get cut. Um I'm gonna tell you this too. Anders Pete from the Saints. Joe mm-hmm. Tooney is the Whitworth for the um for the Pats. That he's about eleven million. On the open market he's probably gonna get a little bit more, I'm sure. But to me, the Bengals I don't know if you follow the roster all the way. The the most glaring hole on the whole entire roster is left guard. Tooney can Tooney can play guard and tackle if he wanted to. But He's on the Patriots. He started every year. He's a free agent to be. There's some guys out there. We're going to do a free agent show coming up too. I want you to check that out. James, before I let you go, I want to ask you a couple of questions just really quick before we go. Okay. It's a okay. game I want to call. It's called What Do You Regret More? <laughs> okay. You got You got three three different options. The first one is which one do you regret more, leaving me... And all of the people in Cincinnati for Cleveland, mm-hmm. not li- not giving me the keys to the car for locked on Bengals, or leaving the Bengals to become a Browns fan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I mean, there's no, the there's no answer there. What? There's no good answer there. Because I don't you regret pick one. To Cleveland, I and I. <laughs> And I don't regret not giving you the keys to locked on Bengals because Joe Joe and Jake are good and you have your own.
1: They're really good. Yeah, they're Uh, really good.
2: I mean, what? And then the third one, I'm not a Browns fan. So it doesn't even apply. I say that on air here. (laughs) I'm like, hey, I'm not blinded. You can't tell
1: them that. You're like our undercover spy. You're like our Russian spy. Don't tell them that you're not a Browns fan. We need you for the
0: intel.
2: Because it's easy for me to be like, hey, I'm not a fan. So I can look at this without any bias because it's not like I'm wearing my brown shirt as I'm talking to you on air, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't regret any of those things. Come on. I thought that was going to be good. I, I had a feeling moving to Cleveland would be, all right, be good. I all, right, all right, I got
1: one better. Uh, I got one better. I got huh. one better. I'm sorry. That wasn't good. What about this? What's the better nickname, Juice Rapine or Hot
0: Take James?
2: Oh, ho, ho, ho. Hot Take James. Hot Take James. Okay, okay. Take Hot Take, James. Hot Take
0: James. James, definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean – I I do get, and I like it why you call me Juice, obviously, because by injury in the Cleveland. No, no,
1: no, that's not it. That's not it. The reason why is because you bulked up and added on 100 pounds of muscle, and everyone thinks you're on the Juice.
2: Oh, well, that's true. You know, Cleveland's got the good (laughs) You know, it's good up here. I mean, it's. They're calling me. They're
1: like, man, hey, what's the James workout plan? Like, I mean, is he on the juice? Is he, you know, like, and I was like, man, he's juice for pain. He loves, he, like, yeah. I called James one day or I texted him. I said, hey, something about Jarvis Langer. He's like, oh, yeah, juice is good. I'm like, hold up. Like, what are you really going out to the strip clubs with this guy now? You calling him juice? <laughs> you know, I thought you were on our side. You're calling him well, juice.
2: And I'm like, well, there's
1: only one juice, and that's. That's OJ Simpson. He's like, oh,
2: you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, juice. OJ Simpson. Whatever. Well, that guy can stay on Twitter. Anyway, I uh, <laughs> Le- Lebron James. Um, why do you think he got so great? How do you think he got, you know, to be six eight and a mammoth man? I mean, the,
0: uh, ooh, the, some the hot juice. takes there.
2: The, the juice is good here in Northeast Ohio.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> so Ace, do you have any questions that? You, <laughs> do you have any questions that you want to ask James before he goes and covers the Cavaliers tonight? Are the Cavs going to win tonight? That's a question I have for you. They
2: got a shot against Washington, yeah. I think they got a decent shot. I mean, hey, I'm not gonna like go out uh, I, I mean, they've won 12 games all year, guys. I'm not gonna be like, yeah, they're gonna win tonight. Who
1: knows? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I did. I mean, it's not like tanking. You can't tank in basketball like you can in football. Like you might lose all those damn games. I can't let you get games. out of here,
0: James. I can't oh. let you get out of here without asking you: Is Odell Beckham Jr. going to stay in
2: Cleveland? I, I think mm. so. Yes. Um, but that being said, I think there's going to be – I think the New England Patriots are going to come calling and offer number 23 for Odell Beckham Jr. this offseason because Tom Brady is going to come back and, and re-sign with New England. They're going to have that done. Obviously, Josh McDaniels is still there. They need to get receivers. So I, I think there is, without the GM that brought him in here, without the, the coach that obviously was here, uh, with the struggles from last year and lack of production just over 1,000 yards, I, and the drama, you know, the sideshow that comes with him. He's a lot like Chad Johnson, just in a, a more of a social media age than, than Chad was because he was more of the, the godfather of Twitter when it comes to NFL players. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I would lean towards him being here in Cleveland, but I think the window's open for him to be traded, and I think New England makes a ton of sense because w- what would they rather have as Tom Brady's their quarterback, Odell Beckham Jr. or a rookie with that 23rd pick? I think it's Odell Beckham Jr. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. That would lean towards, yes, he's in Cleveland. I would keep him, even if New England made that offer. But uh, I'm not sure if the new GM, whoever it's going to be, will do the same. Yeah. Damn.
1: Yeah, that's something to think about, man. Well, James, I really, really appreciate you coming on here. Can, can you please tell everybody where they can find you at, if they're just searching for some Cleveland um, information, if they just want to follow you on Twitter? Because you're still the man on there, I still follow you. I still got alerts on. Tell everybody how they can reach out to you.
2: Yeah, on Twitter at James Erpine. All my work uh, is at ninety two three the fan dot com, um, and then I'm obviously on ninety two three the fan hosting um, and covering Cavs, Indians, and some Browns as well. So uh, I'm doing that. And then you can also find me at uh, teamjohnross.org. dot uh, org. It's a <laughs> website. <laughs> 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 what? No, just- you just <laughs> started up a whole foundation for Ross. John Ross is always open. Someone throw on the damn ball. Dot com.
1: Have you Have you ever seen my John Ross chain? Have I ever seen what? My John Ross chain.
2: No, I haven't. You have one.
1: All right. So when I see you, I'm gonna let you wear it for um, a day. I'm gonna let you pose three, for the is, picture.
2: Is it four two two? Yeah.
1: It's got a 422 on the back of it but it's Lightning bolts, and it's like a John it? Ross uh, okay. it's a it's a John Ross quote on the back that no one's ever seen but I'll let you see it in person.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, I definitely have to wear it. And by wearing it, I'm going to put it on and then run 42240 out the door. And just Automatic, be- bro. <laughs> Automatic.
1: <laughs> Automatic. Like it's it's like a 422 anything. Anything that you want to do fast. I mean, you put this chain on, it's like some superpower stuff. You'll probably do your show like a whole lot faster. A whole lot of stuff is going to happen for you.
2: Yeah, there's certain
1: things I don't
2: like
1: doing too fast, though, fellas. So, you know. Ah. All right. Ace, take us out of here. We got to get a new nickname for that one now, James. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you.
0: James, we appreciate you coming on, man. Definitely look forward to having you on in the future. And, um, yeah, we are out. This is the Orange is the New Black podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Um, it's named Cincy Jungle. Uh, we are part of the Cincy Jungle conglomerate. You can find Orange is the New Black, the Orange and Black Insider, as well as Matt Minich's Chalk Talk on there. And we're out. who day.